I'm Dana Hill. Let's continue the conversation that I had with Max Weinberg, drummer of the E Street Band and Max Weinberg's Jukebox. And it sounds like to me that you are a, a very considerate bandmate. You're in service uh, of the song, yes, but you are also playing with other musicians and, and you do it in a very thoughtful way. And so it's not surprising to me that you have the respect and esteem of your peers, which makes it then not surprising that you are able to put together bands either for television, uh, like you did in the 1990s. And I I will say here that I absolutely loved watching Late Night with Conan O'Brien, not not merely even for the for the music, but your appearances on the screen as kind of a a comedic character were delightful, (laughs) by the way. Thank you. You got to work with great players and put together a crew, not just for that band, but for the band you're with now. How did you find how do you find folks that are the best and who are adaptable and versatile? Well, that is, of course, uh, the mission. And uh, the TV band, the Max Weinberg 7, was was kind of uh, uh, was a template for me later on. I'd never done anything like that. I had bands, of course, variety of bands when I was in high school and college and, uh, you know, junior high school um, and played with a lot of different bands. Um, the Max Weinberg 7 came together very quickly because the audition that I managed to talk my way into came very quickly. Um, You know, my hat is off to the six members of that group who were the best, uh, who coalesced into being the best band on TV during our time and our tenure on TV. Uh, Each of them uh, brilliant in their own way. And, you know, my if, if I had a talent uh, other than actually drumming, it was to coalesce good people and to give direction uh, to their energies and their abilities. Uh, Jimmy Vivino, uh, who was our guitar player, but our arranger, incredibly uh, important uh, to that group uh, uh, in uh, he and I uh, had during that period a wonderful partnership of uh like i can't write music i can read charts and i can make up my own charts but i'm the only band leader in the history of of a uh, of uh, network tv that had led a band for 16 years and didn't know how to read music uh which i always found kind of ironic but i had good ears and i was a good organizer jimmy was unbelievably talented and we came and still is uh we came from a common musical background both in uh, rock r&b orchestra music you know what people call legitimate music broadway musical so we spoke a common language scott healy the pianist is a true jazz man who can play anything simultaneously uh who literally in a weekend absorbed i said uh, it was a true jazz man eastman school of music um I said, here, take these records, and if you, I gave him a half a dozen of my records. If you internalize this over the weekend, you'll basically get what I want you to do. And he did. And, uh, you know, the horn players, Jerry Vino, Richie LaBamba, Rosenberg, and Mark Pender, the best in the business, can play anything, have distinct musical personalities, which is what I wanted. Uh, this wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, every song wasn't a drum solo. I needed strong, strong uh, musical personalities who were band leaders in their own right. 
uh, Mike Merritt, our bass player, phenomenal musician who uh, grew up in in an incredibly musical family. His his father, Jimmy Merritt, was the original bass player of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And uh, it was very typical for Mike to be home on a Saturday afternoon as a child and and have uh, Miles Davis and uh, and his band walk through their living room in Philadelphia. Uh, so what I did was coalesce these talents into I wanted to bring swing a swinging beat back to TV. Uh, Paul, my good friend Paul Schaefer, uh, made the transition from let's say the original to uh, not the original but the longstanding Tonight Show orchestra with Doc Severinsen, who's also a pal of mine, and still playing incredibly well, well into his 90s. Uh, You know, Paul had made the transition to rock and oldies, and I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to pay homage to the, you know, the time on TV when everybody wore a tuxedo, and you saw the bands, and you saw the Count Basie band backing up Frank Sinatra, and do a little version of that, and it was just, well, I have this opportunity. I can be whoever I want to be. I can present whatever I want to present. Uh, that's going to be my template. My favorite all-time drummer, and uh, I would arguably say the greatest drummer in the history of drumming, and if you asked him, he would tell you he was, was Buddy Rich, who uh, was, I consider, a dear friend um, during about the last 12 years of his life. He encompassed the history of the music, and while there have been many imitators, there is, uh, you know, without a doubt, only one Buddy Rich who had the, the, the style, the, the aggression, the assertion, the confidence, the chops. Um, so when I became the, you know, the leader of the band on TV and the drummer um, to a new generation of TV watchers at 1230 in the, in the morning, uh, I just sort of, okay, I'm going to be, you know, Buddy Rich on Johnny Carson. <laughs> that was my template. The guy with the, the smile and the white drum set. And uh, I'm no Buddy Rich. And, you know, uh, uh, there are hundreds of drummers upon whose shoulders I stand uh, when I sit down to play the drums because I've learned from all of them. And uh, uh, But Buddy was sort of the, you know, he encompassed everything. He was, and, and I'll tell you what, he was a delightful, lovely guy to me. I know he could be a tough band leader, but, um, uh, and I know guys who played in this band, but they loved playing with Buddy. Nobody who ever played with Buddy Rich didn't come away from that an infinitely better musician. And, um, you know, it, it might have been perhaps our common religion, Buddy and I, but he was very, very sweet guy to me. And uh, having known him, and I knew him well, um, I still have his phone number in my uh, little analog phone book. But, uh, you know, the band leading is bringing out the best in people. It's also, you know, I had to, frankly, guys, we're on television. We're not in a club. We're on television every night. That's a different experience for most musicians, being on television. So I was acutely aware that it's not only an audio experience. It's just as much, in some cases, more importantly, a visual experience for both us and the audience at home and the audience in the studio. It's twelve thirty at night, and whether you're and you're doing it every day, and your job, it's part of the job requirement, is to 
make it appear to the audience that there is no other place in the world that you would rather be at that moment than playing your instrument and performing for them and lightening their load by doing that. And I feel in that way that we did uh, a service. In my religious background, there's a concept known as tikkun olam, which is translated loosely, very loosely, as lighting the world. Bernard Purdy, the great soul drummer, who's legendary, you know, he's still playing in his 80s, um, Aretha Franklin, King Curtis, James Brown. He, I studied with him when I was 19, uh, and he always used to say, the best drummer is a helping drummer. Make the other guys look good, and you'll look good. And it was a, it was a posture that I adopted early on naturally, but that really crystallized it for me. And it, it, it sort of played into this, you know, Hebrew school training that I had of Tikkun Olam, of, uh, you know, lighting the world. And uh, uh, you do that with your music. As Bruce has said in concert, you know, part of our job is to let you dance all over your problems for three hours. And uh, that's, I, I take that very seriously. And no matter what I'm feeling, when I bump on the drums, I'm going to make you feel like, boy, I wish I could do that. That looks like fun. Because that's what I got from, for example, Ringo Starr when he played with the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. I could tell he was having the time of his life. And that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, in my own little way, I caught up to a, to a part of that dream, you know. And uh, for that and for the uh, sweetness and charity and lovingness of my wife and my two children, uh, I'm a very, very fortunate individual. What I bring to the jukebox show is this is a combination of I tell stories plus music. So while tribute bands, Dana, are very, very popular now, and they should be because very often the original bands are no longer playing this incredible material. So to me, uh, it's, it's you know, the, the renaissance of 60s, 70s, and some of the 80s music is a true renaissance period it's it's it, uh, you know 150 years from now they're going to point to the 60s music as a real turning point uh in culture and since those groups aren't playing it's wonderful that the music lives on you'll have a tom petty tribute band fleetwood mac all sorts of bands you know rolling stones zeppelin what we do is we sort of pay tribute to the era of the 60s 70s and 80s in a format that allows the audience to pick the songs. There's a video screen of about 300 songs, and it's two guitars, bass, and drums, and people just call out their requests, and we play them in real time. So I don't know what people are going to want to hear that particular night. Some nights, it's a lot of Beatles songs. My guys do Beatles songs fantastically well. Or it could be, uh, you know, other English invasion groups. Uh, So we never know. It's fun. It's not... It's not a concert. It's really an interactive, participatory kind of experience for both me, the band, and the audience. And I bet people really respond respond very positively to that because the interactivity of it is exciting. And also, it sounds like it gives you, as a musician, a different experience every night In the, within the framework, though, of a catalog of music that you, of course, know very well and your players surely have been brought up kind of steeped in this kind of music. It is it is our sort of common American cultural heritage now, or, or you know, it's been imported from England, as you say. You're getting to play these songs that people know and love and 
you're probably seeing the joy on their faces as you do it. Well, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, people forget that, you know, you can see us, but we can see you too. And one of the things that's become, uh, it, it, unfortunately, it's an increasingly disturbing element of of going to a show is the, uh, is the uh, you know, proliferation of cell phones and people on their phones. Um, you know, it used to be where you had to focus on the show. And it's a very uh, distracted, uh, not everybody, but it's, uh, there's a major component of people who go to a show. Uh, unless phones are either, you know, confiscated or they tell you to turn them off and put them in your pocket. Um, uh, I like to, I like people taking videos and pictures, but when you're sort of, you know, checking your email, you're not completely engaged. It's sort of like having a conversation, watching TV at the same time. And if you give yourself over to being engaged, that transcendent experience can come through and, and you will get more out of it. Um, but it is fun for me. You know, with Bruce, we typically in a show play 33, 34 songs. On, and we have a set list when we go out there. And I don't think there's been one night, certainly in the last 25 or 30 years, where he has hewed to that set list. He will change a good 15 to 16 songs a night on the spot based on what he's feeling, what he thinks the audience is feeling. Uh, uh, and it's it's quite interesting. You really have to stay on your toes because this is happening very quickly. As he has said to me on many occasions, you know, the drummer leads the band. The best drummers lead the bands. And what I mean by that is, no, you're not the boss, but if you're doing your job, you are the sort of the traffic cop, you know, the white line down the center of the road. And people can stray one way or the other, but they always need to come back to you where you have, you know, arguably one of the greatest showmen of the 20, 20th and 21st century in front of you doing the show, if he has to think about keeping everybody together, uh, it's going to that's going to take him away from what he needs to do, he or she, I should say. And now that's, not, that's something I always did naturally. That was a role I had to grow into, and I did, starting in my 30s, where um, you know now it's almost 40 years I've been you know, having that perspective of, okay, you know, guys, here it is. You know, if you want to go off on a tangent, I'm fine with that. You'll come back. I'll be here when you're ready. Uh, like Bernard Purdy said, the best drummers are helping drummers. And uh, when you do that, that's when, you know, you as a drummer really shine. Um, uh, you know, I don't believe anybody ever got hired to do a drum solo, maybe except Buddy Rich and Neil Peart. Um, it's good that you can do one if you can do one. And when called upon, you should be able to do one. But uh, most uh, uh, situations call for the drummer to be an accompanist and to give the music architecture. And uh, that's what I specialize in. Um, and that's been a privilege to play all these years. And the thing is, you know, with Bruce and Easter Band, we don't play that often. And we play a lot when we play, but we don't play that often. And uh, to keep your uh, chops up, to keep your abilities up, you must play. And and I don't mean practice. I mean, I practiced a lot as a kid by myself in my room. What I need to do is entertain people. I need to play. I need the, uh, the juice of an audience. And, you know, it's been challenging uh, during and uh, COVID, and we're still in it, uh, to get people to come out. Uh, people do, 
uh, uh, obviously enjoy it when they do. It's getting, I don't want to use the word safer, but uh, I think we've figured out ways to incorporate some normalcy into our lives. Um, uh, For a long time, I was taking the requests on index cards, and we were quarantining and staying you know, backstage, but it's a, uh, we're still aware of this, but there's still a hesitancy among the audience. Um, uh, we do, have, I would say of the 50 or 60 shows that I've done in the last year and a half, uh, we're about 50 to 60% capacity, um, pretty consistently too. So I'm hoping people come out. I hope they wear their masks and, uh, and enjoy what we do because uh, this, these are the, a lot of these songs are the songs I learned how to play the drums to when I was a kid playing two records, apart from taking drum lessons. And uh, uh, one, I'll tell you a funny story. I played in outside of Baltimore the uh, just about three days ago, and uh, I do a, a little meet and greet, and a, uh, a guy comes up to me and he, I'm looking at him and I go, Neil. Neil Blumberg. <laughs> Neil Blumberg was the bass player, acoustic bass player, in my first, very, very first band in seventh grade. And he's a doctor. He's been a doctor in Baltimore since he went, you know, we went to college in the late 60s. And uh, uh, when I saw him, I see the, you know, the 12-year-old Neil Blumberg. And I have a picture uh, of uh, the little quartet we had. And he had a picture that I hadn't seen of uh, us playing at the seventh grade dance in 1963. And this is before the Beatles happened. And we were playing Dixieland. We had trumpet, piano, string bass, and drums. And, you know, we were playing, uh, you know, Java by Al Hurt and When the Saints Come Marching In, you know, uh, that kind of Midnight in Moscow by Acker. Mr. Acker Bilk was a big song. Uh, and, uh, and he said, and I haven't seen him in you know, 50 years, <laughs> more than that. Uh, and he said, you know, none of us had any doubt that you would become a working drummer, you know, out of, out of all of us, you were the most passionate and obsessed with everything about it. And, uh, and that was very pleasant to hear that, you know, um, you know, and I've been very fortunate that from time to time I'll meet people I went to grade school with who tell me that there's just, you know, so glad that I I carried it out, you know, and, and didn't stop. And uh, uh, that's, if anything, that's the lesson I learned is that if you got a passion about something, don't stop uh, because you some way will be able to integrate it, whether it's starting a little band that you can play at a small theater or a club. I've had big bands. I have a big 23-piece orchestra where I don't even drum. I'm the Ricky Ricardo up front leading the band. It's a society band. I have a little jazz quintet. So I have these different um, avenues to express what I do, which is, you know, drum and entertain and make you want to feel like, gee, I wish I could do that because I'm having so much fun. That's the idea is to transmit that, you know, uh, this is a, this is a way to connect. The Max Weinberg jukebox is performing May 26 at the Riley Arts Center in Ocala at 7.30 PM. I really am so grateful, Max, for your time and for sharing these stories. 
I will tell listeners here, I've seen the E Street Band on multiple occasions, and for you to have been able to go out, prove it all night, every night for decades and decades, and perform at such a high level in a way that really genuinely brings the audience joy. It's been a real treat, and I've been grateful for so many of the wonderful musical experiences that you have been a part of that I have been able to enjoy and share, even with people I love. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm looking forward to the show in Ocala, and I'll be really happy to see you. Well, thank you, Dana. I appreciate that. And believe me, on behalf of Bruce and the E Street Band, it was sincerely our pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you all again somewhere up the road. And uh, in the meantime, come out to the Riley uh, on the 26th and uh, enjoy the stories. And the music is guaranteed to bring back some memories. That was Max Weinberg, legendary drummer of the E Street Band, the Tonight Show Band, the Max Weinberg 7, and Max Weinberg's Jukebox. Max Weinberg's Jukebox will be appearing live this Thursday, May 26th, at the Riley Arts Center in Ocala.